When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. recovering from this weekend what a weekend it was and uh, we're going to get into it i'm jay scott this is the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast thanks for tuning in once again this is the first episode i've recorded post creatures fest like i said i'm dragging ass still a little bit not so much you know for the whole festival although that has a lot to do with it but the drive you know Last time I was in Nashville, that was like eight or nine years ago, and now I'm 47, and it's 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 rough. Those those road trips when you're 47 are not the same when you're in your 30s and 20s. I will tell you that it's the first road trip I think I've done with that distance in mind um, in a long time, in a while. So it was definitely. Definitely an experience and uh, getting down there was horrible. Leaving Friday morning about uh, 10 o'clock. I didn't get to Nashville till about 7.45, 7.30. So that was about almost 10 hours. Almost 10 hours to get down there when it normally takes seven and a half. There were rainstorms, there was traffic, accidents, you name it. Plus, of course, the holiday weekend, everybody's on the road too as well. Uh, it was just a, uh, it was a shit show. I will definitely say that, but thanks for tuning in. I do appreciate it. Uh, we are going to talk about Creatures Fest. We're going to talk about the performances, my experience there. We're going to get into the good, the not so good, and the absolutely atrocious. Uh, but first, just want to make mention that I am part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, great network of music-related podcasts. Don't forget to check out my friends like Tom and Zeus at the Shout Out Loudcast, the number one Kiss-rated podcast, and got to meet them this weekend face-to-face for the first time. I love those guys, solid dudes, class acts, um, kind of built from the same cloth in terms of our music. Do appreciate seeing them. Also, don't forget. Uh, Carmen Apice and Minneapolis on the Hanging and Banging podcast. Mistress Carrie out in Boston. The Decibel Geek. Got to meet Aaron Camaro as well. Nice to shake hands with him. 
and also Mac from the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. Great Florida transplant who's now in London doing his thing. Great podcast he's got. And Martin Popoff, the rock historian. So check all those out and more on Pantheon Podcast. It's a great network of music-related podcasts. It's got something for everybody, everyone's music taste. You can find something there. Always uh, fun to interact with those hosts and other hosts to other podcasts as well. I always mention the Itch Rock and Radio Show and Pot of Thunder and Bend and Scoop. So check those out and uh, and much more. We're going to talk about some of the interaction I had with a few other podcasters, which was a, a great experience. Also, don't forget to check out the Hook Rocks wherever you do podcasts. We're available on all podcast platforms, whether it's Spotify, Apple, or Google. And we've had some great episodes over the last few months. Don't forget to check out some interviews with uh, legacy artists that I've had on the show, like Joe Satriani and Mark Tremonti. Both uh, great interviews, great discussions with them, as well as Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy, who we had in a couple months ago. Hoping to have him on again soon. So we'll see how that goes. As always, we do promote a lot of new rock music. We do a lot of new music spotlights. We're approaching 150. We're either there or about to or past it. I got to tally up the numbers. I haven't done it in a lot, but check out some great new music spotlights that we've done recently with Native Sons, with Fast Eddie, Stone Broken, as well as many more. And we also did a great conversations and collaborations podcast it's a collaborative episode where i bring together two artists two people from two different bands preferably two new emerging bands and we talk inside the music inside the music business the peek behind the curtain they always do kind of take on a life of their own this was the fourth installment with Trinika mancini with from thunder mother and nick reese from joyous wolf both incredible artists and really good Really good chemistry between the two of them in this interview. Really kind of dove deep into a lot of different things. So check that out. Check out our live album review of Kiss Alive with The Recividus, Rob in the Hood. We've uh, done four of those as well. We break down a live album every quarter. Kiss Alive was this past quarter. Previous to that was Rockin' the Fillmore by Humble Pie, as well as Iron Maiden's Live After Death. And our first episode was Thin Lizzy, Live and Dangerous. We've also done our quarterly album reviews, so check out those. We'll be doing one here shortly in July, which is just about a month or a little over a month away. So look forward to doing that. And now it's time. Time to get into my thoughts, my reactions to Creatures Fest, my experience. Got to meet some of my some of my listeners, which was great. I love Rich, Twisted Kister. So got down there kind of late and missed some of the performances during the day. Primarily the the pool party that uh, I think featured Joey Casada and Todd Kearns, as well as Ace Freely. Uh, but got down there about seven forty five. Checked into the hotel. I didn't stay on the property where the festival was. I stayed at a hotel about four minutes away. So hit a quick Uber, got over there, and met up with everybody. It was great to see Tom and Zeus from Shout Out Loudcast and Sunny from Growing Up Rock and Podcast Rock City. Um, got to talk with Stephen Michael for a brief moment throughout the weekend. Uh, Brad from Slamfest, which was a pleasure to meet him. I had never really interacted with him, and man, that guy had uh, beers and beer holders. He was all ready to go, man. He was he was prepared for the weekend, so he was great. Um, went to go see Ace Freely. That was the first performance that I was able to see, and it was good. It wasn't Ace at his best. Um, there was a lot of problem with the sound and the mix as well, especially in the beginning where you really couldn't hear over the instruments. Some things were too low. Some things were too high. There was no really distinguishing parts of the instruments too as well. Like you couldn't make out the drums and it was, it just sounded very muddled. Um, so I was kind of disappointed with that. I've seen Ace probably 10, 12 times throughout my life. This is probably on the the bottom end of the performances. And I don't know how much it was him versus how much it was the sound. I know Ace was getting frustrated by his actions on stage, pointing to the mic, pointing to the monitors. 
Um, I think that really kind of affected the performance. Again, it's always great to see Ace, but the highlight of the show and really the highlight of the whole weekend, not performance, highlight, uh, had to be when Peter joined Ace on stage to do Hard Luck Woman and Strange Ways. Uh, just absolutely incredible to feel that electricity, that energy in the room. It was it was awesome. It was awesome for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, they are two of the original members of KISS. We know the history with both of them. There's been some rocky parts and some good parts. I don't know where they're at with each other right now. Obviously, they were each paid a lot of money to do this festival, so they got up on stage together. I don't know how friendly they are, but to see two original members on KISS that are not named Gene and Paul is pretty special. And I haven't seen that since the reunion tour way back in the day. It was magic. It really was. It didn't sound the best. I don't think Hard Luck Woman really sounded great, but hearing Peter sing and play the drums on Strange Ways, it's definitely going to be in, in my, my, it's definitely going to be in my memory bank for the rest of my life. One of the greatest moments I've seen the two of them play stripped down um, without the makeup, with with the bad blood, whether it still exists now, but it has. Obviously, the issues with Gene and Paul, obviously the fact that they're not on the end of the road tour. Who knows if they will be on that end of the road tour at some point? We don't know. But to see them and have it possibly be the last time they're both on stage together, that really kind of stayed with me during the performance. It really sat with me in terms of what I was watching. Uh, It was a pretty heavy moment to see that because I grew up a huge Kiss fan when I was younger. Um, I came in in the 80s. My first album I bought was Lick It Up, but going back and learning the history and knowing their, their importance to rock music and what they did in the 70s, and we can always talk about all the mistakes the band made. Uh, there were plenty, but they still are one of the greatest rock bands of all time. They still put out some of the greatest albums of all time. They still had some of the best performances in rock history. And I know we like to go negative a lot. And I think there's definitely good reason to go negative. And I've gone negative on Kiss on a few things. Not as much as a Kiss podcast would. Um, But I've had some issues with them over the years and what they've done. But, you know, they still make or have made great music. And it was nice to see two original members on stage again. After that, we all kind of hung out in the bar and had some laughs, told some jokes, listened to Sonny Pooney's bad music takes, and had a good time. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, end of the night, uh, just hanging out, took my Uber back to the hotel and got ready for day two. Slept in the next day, but it was the Vinnie Vincent day, man. This is the day that a lot of people came down for this, right? This was the big performance. This was the big to-do of how Vinnie was going to sound and how he was going to play. Uh, so this was uh, this was the, the experience everybody was kind of waiting for. But had a chance to go to the KISS Expo. was happy to find an item of KISS memorabilia that I've been wanting for quite a bit. And that is the Creatures of the Night Loudest Band in the World promo poster. I have seen it on eBay a few times, and I'm always hesitant to buy something like that on eBay because it it doesn't it's not cheap and you don't know what condition it's in. And I always prefer to kind of see it before I buy it. And I'm unable to do that in most cases when I'm when I'm purchasing something like that. So I came in and it was right front and center. So that was absolutely fantastic. Thanks to Jeff for giving me the opportunity to purchase that item. So I was uh, ecstatic about that. Again, hung out with a bunch of the other podcasters. Sonny was working the booth with Joey Casada at the podcast Rock City. Joey was selling his book, which if you haven't bought it yet, it's for approaching the two-year anniversary on it. Start with a dream is one of the best rock books you could buy 
of all time. It's about a journey into rock and roll. And if you grew up in the early 80s or started growing up in the early 80s, um, this book really does connect with you or will connect with you because it just has so many of these similar elements of my life and how I was kind of brought along into music and how I became a Kiss fan. So he was signing books. He was signing some of the ZO2 Z-Rock stuff as well. Um, always good to see Joey. Joey's a, a great guy. But uh, again, walked around the expo, the memorabilia portion of the Creatures Fest. And I was kind of overwhelmed. I never had been to anything like that. Never been to a KISS festival uh, and was able to take in and see all those things that they had. Um, man, they got a lot of memorabilia. They got a lot of stuff. It's anything you can think of, KISS has. It's amazing. So check that out a while. We kind of stayed there for a bit. And then I went up. I don't know if I went to get lunch or whatever, but I came back into the expo and quarantine the quiz quarantine, the Chris Jericho kiss cover band started playing and they do all non-makeup kiss. And it was awesome. It was fantastic. Uh, Chris puts on a great show. It's a lot of fun and it really pays tribute in a great way to a forgotten period of kiss in kind of a dismissed era of KISS. Yeah, of course, they had their issues with Unmask that people have really appreciated now, so many years later, and The Elder, too, as well. I'm still not sold on The Elder. Still don't really care for it. But, you know, after Creatures, which was a fantastic album, my first album I bought, KISS Lick It Up, and and on with Animalize, Asylum, and Crazy Nights, Into Hot in the Shade, Into Revenge, that's some really good stuff and it gets overlooked. And I think it gets overlooked because of how they started out that decade with unmasked and with the elder. And I've mentioned it in one of the first shows I ever did on this podcast. Kiss never recovered from that. Even when they did the reunion tour, there was still an uneasiness with fans about that period. Right. I mean, as much as people are kiss fans and I consider myself a kiss fan, I'm not a, Die hard like a lot of the people at the festival were. But when we talk about some of those bad decisions they made, you know, you could probably start with those two albums in that period, probably in the top five of mistakes. And say whatever you want about those albums now, uh, during that time, present day, 1980 and 1981, they were not well received and they were not looked at as what kiss fans wanted again hindsight's always 2020 in most cases and i think you get a lot of that with as you revisit those albums but it was a huge step back for the band i don't think they ever recovered but moving forward though chris jericho put on a great show man absolutely entertaining a lot of fun mimicked paul stanley and his stage presence with the way he talked and the way he performed it was a blast and it was probably one of the top one or two performances of the festival, in my opinion. Seeing Jericho up there, PJ Farley was playing uh, bass, the guy from Trickster. Bruce Kulik joined him for Heart of Chrome. Uh, just just great energy, a lot of fun, and uh, that was a good time. That was a really good time. Really kind of set the tone for the day, too, as well, up until the Vinnie Vincent performance, which I'm about to get into, but... Yeah, it was fun. Grabbed some dinner, stayed in the hotel a lot, which, you know, I understand why people were there. They had the meet and greets. I didn't do any of the meet and greets. Um, just that kind of internet stuff. But for people who are, it's a fantastic way to expand your, your KISS fandom by meeting the greats, Peter Chris and Ace Freely and Bruce Kulik and Vinny Vincent to have that in experience, especially if you've been a KISS fan, a diehard KISS fan for a long period of time, it is something that, uh, you know, those types of fans really do enjoy. Uh, so good on them for experiencing that. I don't know how all those went. I mean, I heard feedback from a few um, that it wasn't the smoothest process. I don't know. I, I can't only speak to what I've heard. It was kind of clunky at times, I guess, but for the most part, people got through and got what they wanted. Um, some people stood in line for a long period of time. 
so I'll let some others speak to that because I didn't experience it. So I can't really give you a honest, an honest review of that experience, but gave me time to do some things. Of course, walked around the expo. There's always going to be issues whenever you have something like this going on, right? Whenever you have so many moving parts happening at once and you have so many different personalities happening at once, but the promoter, Neil Davis, who put this together, uh, did a great job. And I don't know all the stuff that happened behind the scenes. I heard some things um, and some issues, but for the most part, it was, it was a really cool festival and the performances some of the performances were, were really good. Would I like to see some different things? Yeah, I think everybody, if you if you asked their opinion, maybe would have done some things a little different. But I think this was the first time you put something together like this. And it was the first time something ever had been done like this. So again, there's always going to be hiccups. And there's always going to be challenges. But I thought for the most part, it was very well run. And you can't always control what rock stars are going to do. And I don't know if Neil knew that going into this, but I'm sure he figured it out as the, as the days went on that they're going to do their own thing or most of them are going to do their own thing. And you just kind of sit there and, and just enjoy the ride, just lock it down. But he came and shake people's hands on Sunday night in the bar. I asked him if he was going to do it again next year. And he said, we'll see. I tend to think that it probably won't happen because, you know, it's hard to make money when you're doing stuff like this and, and hard to pay out the artists when you're doing stuff like this. I'm sure there's a way to do it to make money, but there's also the investment of time. So I don't know what his plans are, but if he doesn't do it again, I'm glad I was able to attend and I was glad I was able to enjoy it with friends, with fellow KISS fans and seeing some great performances. Which leads to the next topic, the the performance everybody wanted to see, which is the Vinnie Vincent performance, if that's what you call it. So let's let's set the the scene, right? As accurately as I remember. A line started to form. Well, let's back up even before that. So I wanted to go see Tuck Smith in downtown Nashville. Tuck Smith was a was a member of the band Biters. He's got his new stuff coming out. He's a great artist from, from Georgia. And he was playing at this place called the Basement East at 8 o'clock. And I figured, hey, Ace Freely went out at 9.45. Tuck's going to play for 45 minutes. He's opening up for Jackal. I'm going to go take an Uber, go see the show, come back, and time for Vinny. We got an email midday stating that Vinny was going to go on, I believe, 7.30 was the time that he was allotted 738 or maybe 7 730. So I was like shit that kind of ruins my plans but I'm probably not going to see Vinny again and I'll probably have the opportunity to see Tuck again. That's the way I looked at it even though I was bummed. So a line started to form and we were all in the lobby kind of seeing this ridiculous line. I don't know why people lined up for this because we're all going into the same place, right? We're all going to the ballroom, which I don't think was the right choice for the main performances because I don't think the room sounded good. It had low ceilings. The acoustics weren't that good. They should have had it in the tent area where the Kiss Expo was because when quarantine played there with Jericho, I thought it sounded fantastic. It seemed like a lot of the performances in the main ballroom just didn't have that push that um, that a venue can give a live performance. It just seemed like like the venue kept tying down the performance because of just the dynamics and the way it was laid out. That's just you know my feedback. You know, it didn't ruin anything, but in hindsight, I wish they would have done that. So at any rate, we're all waiting in the lobby. We see this line forming. People are lying. I don't know why. We're all going in there. They're going to have the performance. So the line starts to move. We go. We start going in line. We go through security. And then we're waiting outside the ballroom, right? There's the lobby of the hotel. And then they take you down a corridor or a hallway. And then you're in the area where the ballroom is. 
and we're just standing there looking at each other like a bunch of dumb shits. Like, what are we doing? Like, why are we here? There's no bathrooms in this area of the hotel. There is, you know, if you have to go to the bathroom, I don't know if you could get back in, but you had to go by the main lobby of the hotel to use the bathroom. There's no bathrooms over there. I don't know, kind of poorly laid out, but whatever. That's that's not what we're talking about here. So we're waiting, we're waiting. And while we're waiting, we all of a sudden hear rumblings through the wall. And it's this noise. Like we don't we don't know what it is. We don't know if it's the band. We don't know if it's the sound check, you know, testing out the levels. We have no idea, but we just know there's noise of some type of music coming from the ballroom. And this goes on for about 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. And finally, one of the members of our crew, Zeus, takes his camera phone and pulls it up to the keyhole of one of the doors. And Vinny, Vincent, is on stage in the ballroom by himself, nobody there, shredding while we're all waiting outside and it's going on 8.30 at this t- at this point, right? It's going on 8.30. He's been doing this for a half hour. We're all kind of like, what the hell is going on? What's he doing? All of a sudden the doors open up and they start letting everybody in while he is still shredding and while he is still playing. So we all walk in, he's shredding, he's playing, doesn't acknowledge the crowd at all, doesn't say anything on a mic, doesn't wave. He's just playing and playing and playing and playing for another 25 minutes. So from a time he was playing while we were all waiting with our thumb up our asses to the time we got in, it was about, it was about a good 40-minute shred, I want to say, 40, 45-minute shred. Of, of nothing but chaotic notes and playing as fast as he can. Random notes. There was no melody to anything. There was no structure. There was no arrangement. It was just shredding. And a lot of people enjoyed it. Uh, I did for about two minutes. And... I said, fuck this shit. I'm going. I'm like, this is crap. I'm pissed now that I missed Tuxman for this, for this ego stroke of whatever he was doing. Right. So I walk out. I think I saw Brad. Um, he was out there and we kind of, I think we enjoyed a drink. Um, and we're like, this is just crap. And all of a sudden the plane stopped and there was this huge applaud you could hear through the walls. And then I Love It Loud started playing. And when I first walked in there, what I failed to mention is there was no drum set on the stage. There's no drum set. There was two mics, a tank, which is reminiscent or a tribute to the Creatures of the Night tour. That was it. And then it was Vinny on top of the tank, like looking down upon us all, all the peasants that he was playing for, which is kind of what I thought from just the way the whole dynamic of the show was. But I'm hearing I Love It Loud, and I'm like, I didn't see a drum set up there. Like, what is that? And we're getting closer to the doors, or I'm getting closer to the door walking in, and I'm hearing it. I'm like, is this a track? Because it sounds too good. It sounds way too good. And sure enough, it was a track. There was no drum set up there. No one was playing the drums. It was a track to I Love It Loud. And they also used Gene's vocal track. There was not a singer. There was a bass player up there running from side to side. I don't know what his purpose was, maybe to keep the crowd in it or whatever. And then there were like a bunch of people singing the vocals. I don't know if it was people related to the to the festival or whoever it was. But that was the dead giveaway, too. There's no way those random people could be up on stage and sound like that. There's no way the drums could sound like that. It was obvious tracks. And I believe Vinny did a solo, which was your typical Vinny Vincent solo. 
And everyone's looking at each other, puzzled, like, what the hell is going on? Then Bruce Kulik comes on stage, and they do War Machine to a track. And I think a vocal track. I'm not sure on that one. I'm not sure on the, on the War Machine track. So I was, I was shaking my head like, this is bullshit. I'm yelling in the crowd, where's the drummer? And it just kept going on and on and on. Like it was just, and people were cheering this. People were cheering artificial music being pumped through the monitors. They were cheering it. I don't understand why people cheer this shit. You're getting ripped off. You're spending that money to see these bands and they're not playing live or the portion of the show is not playing live. Why do you find that acceptable? Why do you accept it? No idea. So that was like a source of annoyance. Like, why are these people with their fists in the air to clearly a drum track? If you hear drums and there's no drum set up there, it's a track. But hey, maybe people's bar is so low that, you know, I don't know. The bar was low, I will say that, for Vinny. I mean, when we were staying in line waiting to go, we were staying outside the ballroom, we were doing things called pool bets where... You know, we would do kind of odd things for the performance, like over under on the songs. And I had I set the over under on at five. Most people took the over. They would be wrong. There was another pull bet. Does he go on with the Ankh Warrior costume? I was saying Ankh all weekend. I don't know what was wrong with me, but the Ankh Warrior costume with the makeup. Does he go without the makeup and a pantsuit or does he, does, does he do a combination? Only one got it right. And that was Tom from shout out loudcast. He said it was going to be a combination and there were several others, but the bar was so low for this performance. My basic expectation was feedback. That's all. That's all I was expecting. That's all I was expecting. I didn't think it was going to maybe We did not know who was going to be in the band at this time. We had no idea. There was no announcement. So we figured that it's not going to be anybody major. It wasn't going to be like Mark Slaughter was going to join them or Dana Strum or anyone like that. Um, So we kind of figured that it was going to be a shit show and it did not disappoint. Ace Freely comes on, right? So now we have Ace Freely, Bruce Kulik, and we have on top of the tank, looking down upon the most technically gifted guitar player of kiss in terms of bruce kulik and we have the best guitar player of all time in kiss ace freely and we have this guitar player Benny vincent on top above them both looking down upon the crowd like i am the one everyone is coming to see i am the ruler of the kingdom it was ridiculous it was another ego stroke on Benny's part so ace gets up there and they're going to start playing deuce and again they've got a drum track and they keep screwing up the beginning. And finally, Ace Freely gets on the mic and goes, where's the drummer? And then they tried to play it again. And then he goes, I can play anything. I just need a drummer. And it made people around us, probably several other people in the crowd, laugh. But that was it. And at the end of Cold Gin, that was the end of the show. There were four songs in this ridiculous whatever you call it, shred, guitar solo. It was the worst live performance I have ever seen in my life. And I've been going to concerts since I was a little kid. I've seen hundreds of shows throughout the years. And also, I just want to make mention too. I want to say this because people who listen to my podcast know I don't like to criticize things I don't like. Because I think it's foolish to criticize music because you may connect with it down the road however long it takes, six months, a year, 10 years, whatever. You may pop in something that you listened to 10 years ago that you didn't like, and all of a sudden you love it. So that's why I always refrain refrain from from talking about things or, or critiquing things I don't like and telling you all the bad things that I feel about it. There's enough people that do that on the, it's really not my game, but I'm never, I'm never going to connect with this. This was horrible. And yet people thought it was the greatest thing. There were people in the lobby that were 
were like raving about it. And I heard from people that people were crying when he was doing his shredding. What are you doing? I, I don't get that. I don't understand why people accept mediocrity and crap um, and connect it to greatness. I don't get it. So it was a topic of conversation for the rest of the night. And in that aspect for Vinny, you know, maybe he got what he wanted. People were talking about it, but it was not in a positive way. It was certainly not, not even close to it. The whole performance was like a vaudeville act. It was nuts. And all I kept thinking to myself is, shit, I should have went and saw Tug Smith. But I wouldn't have experienced this. And this kind of, in a weird way, kind of a cool thing, because you can always tell people, I was there. But as you break down this performance and you break down Vinny, and I don't know Vinny, but I've been a Kiss fan for a long time. I've been a Vinny Vincent fan when I was, since I was a kid. I bought Vinny Vincent Invasion. I went and got his autograph at Rolling Stone Records outside of Chicago. I used to think Vinny Vincent was the coolest name in rock and roll when I bought Kiss Lick It Up. But, yeah, this, um, this, there's not words to describe it except shit. It really was. And uh, disappointing for the bands that had to follow that because the majority of the crowd were disgusted. The majority. There was probably about... 20%, 15 to 20% of the crowd that thought it was fantastic. The majority echoed my sentiments and said it was the worst show they've ever seen. So take it for what you want. I know there's been some reviews online from some major publications that have raved about it. I don't know what they were watching. I don't know who told them this. But whoever said that this was a great performance... Uh, You need to look elsewhere for your talent and your writers on your staff, because anyone who thought that was a great performance, I would, I I, I don't even know how that person came to that conclusion. I can't even comprehend how someone came to that conclusion. Brutal, brutal. We capped off the night again at the bar, hung out, had some laughs, talked about it. Um, but the consensus was it was a horrible, horrible show, but we were all talking about it. And I guess that's a good thing. I don't know if it is time will tell on that, but yeah, my advice is, uh, don't waste your money next time. On to the next day, the final day of the festival, more kiss expo, more hanging out in the hotel. I, Decided to duck out of the hotel, go hang out with some people in downtown Nashville that I knew locally. I had to get out of the hotel. A lot of the guys that I was with were doing the meet and greets. And I know Vinny was doing his meet and greet that day. I think Ace had done another session. So I came back um, right after I had some dinner. Again, hanging out in the hotel lobby. And I guess some people had some positive experience with Vinny in the meet and greet. Um, Tom and Zeus, I know, went and they did it, and they had really good things to say about Vinny. There were also people in line that didn't have a lot of good things, like him jacking the price up randomly uh, on prices for different items. If you had a ticket, for Vinny to get an autograph. It didn't specify what item. You could pretty much get anything. He started to refuse to autograph certain items. I'm glad people had a positive experience with him. However, the way I look at it is, is that even though you may have had that positive experience, you can't deny or forget the bad experiences, hundreds and hundreds of people, possibly, you know, a thousand or two people have had over the decades with Benny. You can't deny that stuff. And that's why, even though some, you know, some of my friends who had great experiences, I'm glad they did. 
I doubt the sincerity of Vinny. I really doubt that, that is a genuine dude. Um, because ever since he left Kiss, we've heard people say things about his professionalism and how he acts towards people. And of course, Gene and Paul have never been, have never shied away from expressing their opinion. So we know that, but you could always say, right? Oh, it's Gene and Paul, you know, this, they do this, they do that. They say this, they say that. Okay. You got me, you know, like, yeah, I agree with you, but it's not just Gene and Paul. It's Mark Slaughter. It's Dana Strum. Listen to the song Burning Bridges on the debut Slaughter album. That's about Vinny. We've heard countless fans over the years go on his message board and shred him. Remember the box set, pre-paying for the box set? All these people dished all this money to pre-pay for this box set. God, it was at 20 years ago. It never happened. Never released anything. Kept these people's money. Never happened. He went away for a while. He went in seclusion. He came out. I think Atlanta was the first appearance he did in 20 plus years, maybe longer. And then he started to book other things after that. And he canceled a lot of things. These people that paid airfare to come see Vinny because they've been waiting to see him for years, lost all that money on airfare. Listen to the interview with Carmen Apice, who's mentioned that he warned Gene and Paul before he joined Kiss. He was supposed to do a performance. Him and a few other musicians. I think Robert Fleischman was part of it, the, the singer on the first Vinnie Vincent Invasion album, and Tony Franklin, the bass player. Listen to the things they had to say, or at least Carmine had to say about that whole fiasco that got canceled it's apparent he's not easy to work with people don't want to work with him the sad thing is is that Vinny could have the reputation of being one of the best songwriters in rock music if you look at the songs that he wrote in the kiss catalog whether it's a million to one whether it's in the eighth day any of those songs he rejuvenated that band or helped rejuvenate that band with this with a different perspective and songwriting and he could have had a incredible career even after he disbanded Vinnie Vincent Invasion he could have wrote music with people maybe he tried to do that I don't know but he could have done that and he probably would have been very successful for it because the dude can write a song But it's apparent he's not easy to work with. And it continues to this day with people's experience in line. I know people personally that had a good experience, but there's a lot of stuff online that people didn't. And it's never Vinny's fault, right? Vinny, whenever he talks, it's always me, Mr. Paul Stanley, or Mark Slaughter, or the promoter, or this guy, or that guy. It's never Vinny's fault. I don't know. I don't know. Vinny surrounds himself with yes men, right? He doesn't want anybody to disagree with him. He doesn't want anybody to tell him he's wrong. And there's no one worth with a stone that would work with him in a professional manner. Anybody, anybody with a good reputation won't do that, won't take that. No way. No way would they do that. So My last point about Vinny is, truth be told, if he would have shined during this festival, played about 10 songs set, didn't shred like he did, he probably would have sparked some interest in a booking agent and putting him out on a tour. If he he ever had a sense of self-awareness and actually realized how much money he's thrown down the toilet over the years. I mean, he could tour small theaters, small clubs, 
you know, five to 1500, maybe 2000 capacity. If he could do that, certainly could do that. And he could make a, a good buck doing it. But I don't know if he, I don't know if his reputation will allow that to ever happen. And again, here was another chance that Neil gave him to rectify all the issues he's had previously. And he failed. And we all knew he was. And that's the sad part about it. So we all knew it was going to be a shit show. We didn't know it was going to be this level of shit. But he didn't disappoint. And I just hope at some point he realizes the damage he's done to himself and a potential legacy that he could have had. You know, he was never going to be as big as Ace Freely. And Bruce Kulik has found his niche with what he does. There could have been a, some space for Vinny to do what he did or to do what he could have done. But as Gene said in an interview a few, a few years ago, some people just self-sabotage, just self-sabotage their own careers and their own success. And uh, he is a case study in that, definitely. All right, moving on to Sunday. Sunday was uh, more at Kiss Expo. Again, like I said, moving on to Sunday evening, Bruce Kulik's band. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, man, that was my era of Kiss, hearing the, the, the non-makeup songs, hearing those, those tunes. Bruce was the guitar player. He replaced Mark St. John. But you forget how good or how great Bruce is as a guitar player. And you see him live and you're like, damn, that, that, that guy can play. He's not the flashiest, but he is the most technical and he's probably the most diverse player um, out of all, all of all the, uh, the Kiss guitarists, you know. Um, Ace is more feel. Ace is more emotion. Um, you know, the bends and the vibrato that Ace has. Uh, he, he plays from the heart. Um, and I think all musicians do, but you feel that in Ace's playing and when you feel the diversity and the depth in Bruce's playing. But to see him up there with Todd Damakerns, and let me just tell you something, if you don't know who Todd Damakerns is, uh, most people know him from Slash's band, uh, Slash with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Todd Damakerns is a fucking rock star. Unbelievable. I mean, the way he keeps the crowd into it, the way he his stage presence. That guy is 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 the shit, man. I mean, he was absolutely incredible. Him and Bruce up there with the rest of the band. Uh Peter Chris came up for a song, hooked on rock and roll. Good performance, but it was uh it sounded great. Those songs sound awesome. And I know 80s Kiss and now Makeup Kiss always kind of gets dismissed by the hardcore Kiss fans, but it is, it's good stuff. And it was refreshing to hear that music again in a live setting, even though it was a festival like this, it was nice to hear that stuff. So yeah, um, great experience overall. Great to meet up with everybody. Um, you know, whether it was Tom and Zeus, like I said, Sonny, uh, got to meet Stephen Michael, um, Brad from Slam Fest podcast, uh, meeting Joey Casada. That was great. He's been on the show a couple times. Um, many others as well. Uh, podcast Rock, Rock City, um, Joe Polo. Uh, just, yeah, it was, it's a great community. It's a great time. And uh, I hope they do it again. It would be nice. You know, maybe wait a few years to do it. I think if you do it every year, maybe takes the shine off of it a little bit. So if you space it out, but nevertheless, um, overall experience was great. Neil did a great job and I would love to hear the stories that what, what, what he was put through over the weekend. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Creatures Fest 2022, what have experienced. I, I will say before I go, 
Peter Chris, I think seeing him again was uh was a, was this treat was a treat to see him because he's um he's been quiet i mean i know he does some interviews here and there um and he'll tell you what he's what he feels and he'll speak his mind but seeing him up there with ace and then seeing him up there with bruce and todd dammit kearns doing hooked on rock and roll um i was happy to see that so all right everyone thanks for listening thanks for tuning in take care of each other Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You just bought a home in the suburbs, but no one told you about all the birds, specifically this one, who seems to be calling out Roy. Roy. But who exactly is Roy? And why doesn't he ever respond? Maybe Roy is just bird speak for save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. I guess until Roy answers, we'll never know. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.